0: This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We start tonight with some breaking news and historic news. For the first time ever, the North Dakota House voted just about 90 minutes ago to expel North Dakota Representative Luke Simons. They had a debate or conversation for most of the day. If you want to watch some of that conversation in video, just go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash POV now. And here's where the vote ended up 69 to 25. You can see here it needed a two thirds majority to pass. If you have not been following this story, uh, the reason that they had a resolution to expel North Dakota Representative Luke Simons. There have been several sexual harassment allegations towards Representative Simons as well as. Uh, he was in the, I guess the legislative lunchroom is what I've been told and so several times he was asked to wear a mask. Um, he ended up using an expletive to communicate to one of his colleagues saying no I'm not going to wear a mask and then said you are not my mother. So earlier today, in uh, fact, while we had our live stream town hall with Congressman Kelly Armstrong, the conversation, the debate was happening on the North Dakota House floor. So I started my conversation asking the Congressman Armstrong just his point of view on the situation with North Dakota Representative Luke Simons. Joining us now, Congressman Kelly Armstrong. Congressman Armstrong, great to have you with us. I know we're going to be doing this every couple of weeks, kind of these uh, town halls, taking questions and whatnot. I need to start here because actually as we're doing today's town hall, they are now doing a uh, resolution on the floor to expel North Dakota Representative Luke Simons over some sexual harassment allegations. Apparently they were in uh, the lunchroom. He didn't have his masks on. One of his colleagues continually asked him to put his mask back on. Uh, I can't say it on TV what he said, but he said an expletive. You're not my mother. I just want to get your point of view on this Situation at hand, and also the fact that the House is holding this vote to expel uh, Representative Simons.
1: Yeah, I think what happened in the lunchroom probably opened. I mean, I think there were some open records requests and things that happened about uh, conduct that's gotten back. I, I think to like 2017, right? So I think a couple things. One, I don't think anybody excuses it; thinks it's the alleged conduct is okay, appropriate in any way, shape, or form. Um, Two, I think, you know, whether they're going to have arguments on both sides, but they're taking it seriously. It's a somber, a very somber thing. But at the end, I mean, the House, each chamber in North Dakota, just like in Congress, controls its own rules Um, and argue whether it's enough due process or not. I guess that's a fair criticism, but this is the due process for this type of for this type of thing. And uh, I, I mean, I know they're all on both sides. I know they're taking it carefully and seriously. So. Uh, it's transparent. I, it's, it, I know it's been on Facebook. I think you guys had it up. You can watch this. So, like I said, it's. I don't think anybody excuses the conduct. I don't think it was a one-time incident. But um, they're doing what I think the body's supposed to do, and debating it and de- determining
0: an outcome. I think the ultimate question somebody would have for you is: based on what you've read and seen today, would you vote to expel him or not?
1: This is a little tough for me, Chris, because, uh, you know, and this isn't so much, this is going to sound like a dodge, but it's not a dodge. Uh, I haven't read the files. Uh, so until I've read, and I've just, I mean, we're dealing with HR one and the George Floyd Act and all of those things. Uh, I will never comment on something that severe based solely on the, uh, media reports, even from people I trust. But I will say this, uh, I mean, the conduct's unacceptable and something has to be done. That's the determination for what what they're doing today.
0: Yeah. Thank you, sir. Um, all right. So let's get to this. HR1, you just mentioned, we're going to talk about some things that going to happen in the house. A couple questions about it. Number one, for audience watching, I mean, I've, I've tried to get in and study HR1. It, it, it's a lot. So What's the most important thing our audience should know about it? And then secondly, which might even be more important, is does it have any chance of passing the Senate?
1: Um, I hope not. Uh, It's a really bad bill. I think probably the most important thing for North Dakotans, and I'm actually proud of this, is we got them to accept an amendment that the voter registration provisions in the bill only apply to states with voter registration. Uh, We use the same language from the Voter Registration Act in 1993, and uh, at that time, six states didn't have it. Well, right now, only one state doesn't have it, and that's North Dakota. And there are a lot of provisions outside of the terrible policy in the bill that would fit like a square peg in a round hole for North Dakota. So I'm happy we got that amendment accepted, but that's the extent of where I'm excited about this bill. This bill publicly finances elections, it allows for uh it it guts state voter id laws it it allows i mean it basically makes allows for ballot ballot harvesting at a, as a matter of course and it's just generally i mean I think the North Dakota example is a perfect example. We do things our own way. We do it well. We've developed robust vote-by-mail counties. We've done really well with early voting in places. And this is just not the federal government's role, nor do I think anybody thinks, you know, federal tax dollars should go to financing elections.
0: So I'm a little nervous when you say, I hope not, that it's not going to pass the Senate. Does it need 60 votes? Yes,
1: Yeah, it it does. So what's going on right now is after April 1st in the House, all votes have all bills have to go to committee. So they're running through a lot of the same bills they ran through last time in Congress. Uh, whether it's HR one, uh, justice and policing, I'm sure we'll do gun control when we get back, uh, and those bills because they they can get them through before April 1st without having to go to a committee. So yes, it needs 60 votes. What I always, I, I mean, it's until it's until it's not there anymore. You always we always have to be
0: vigilant. And we always have to be paying attention. Here's a question from producer AJ. She says, uh, "How is having no requirements for mail-in voting, including ID or proof that you're alive, okay?"
1: Well, it's not. And, you know, states have worked hard for uh, on their own voter ID laws. You know, North Dakota's been through this and it hasn't always been great. Right. We've been sued. We've worked into settlement agreements and all of those things. But at the end, I mean, you have to have some verification and validation. And more importantly, states are the place where that goes. I mean, states are in charge of elections. I've gotten I've gotten in a lot of trouble with some of my supporters for saying that about two months ago. And I'm going to continue to say it now.
0: Um, Bev Mose to say all deceased people can vote question mark. Well, that's
1: where you're dealing with voter rolls and some of the stuff put in there. And, um, and why this bill, I mean, this bill is, I, I mean, just, it's really bad for election integrity and it's a one to listen almost always when we try and do a one size fits all from, from Congress and put it through. Every state, one way or the other, it never works well. And I don't think anybody thinks that we should have the federal government in charge of rural elections, urban elections, and all of those things. I mean, just a simple example, I'll give you North Dakota, it requires four day, 14 days early voting, requires certain time limits. Uh, Slope County has 714 people. Uh, where are they gonna find the volunteers? Where are they gonna do all of these things? They just—it just It just doesn't work. And then you put yourself at risk of all of these different outside of even just the bad things in it. And yeah, and I, I just see a comment right there, ballot harvesting. It makes ballot harvesting a matter of course. And no elections will be over on election day if this passes,
0: none, nowhere Absolutely. in the country. Can, can you do us a favor, Congressman, and just explain, because obviously we don't have ballot harvesting in North Dakota. What, what is ballot harvesting exactly and how would this bill have perpetuated it? Well,
1: I, I mean, California is the easy example, right? Uh, you go out and you know what the vote count is and you have certain deadlines and you just go find votes. And you get people to fill it out. You continue to harvest ballots and you harvest ballots. And it, it's not it's not that the person isn't one person, one vote, but they go out and actively engage, get them. And it's not like uh, somebody helping their elderly mother fill one out or something like that there. I mean, there's an organized um, what I call the political and industrial complex that's decided to do this. And it's and in certain places it c- carries on after Election Day. And that's just
0: unacceptable so let's talk about it from this perspective then yesterday we finally heard this is the first time since the january 6th riots vice president mike pence wrote an op-ed about hey ele- election integrity is a national imperative um a couple things i want to get at with you you're an attorney when you look at what he wrote here if you look at senator kramer's bill regarding protect the electoral college act they say within the language of the pressers look what 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 was wrong with the situation. the fact that you had secretaries of states judges governors changing the state laws when that is the state legislature's job to create the election laws so my ultimate question to you is knowing that why in the world do you believe the supreme court did not take on any of these cases well
1: i think i mean they're different in each one right some of them they didn't respond right away some of them they weren't right some of them are probably constitutional in their states some of them they're legislative some of it is guidance versus implementation but I, I mean, that's I mean, and, and that's what I think kind of gets lost in all of this. You know, I've read a lot of these things and each state's laws are different in how this and how this works. Not to, I mean, not the least of which is how their state, either constitution or legislature, treats uh declared emergencies, which we didn't talk about enough in a lot of this. But some states didn't do it early enough. Some states didn't. uh, I I mean, some of the remedies that were asked for were um, outrageous, and some of them just didn't have standing to bring the case they brought. So uh, and it wasn't just the U.S. Supreme Court, by the way. I mean, there were there were state there were state Supreme Courts that acted. But elections should be the elections should be the purvey of the state legislatures. And the more we can do for that, the better we are.
0: Uh, another question here, wasn't there a group in Minneapolis paying people for their votes?
1: I don't know. I, okay. I, I don't know that answer. I know there have been accusations of that in past congressional elections, primary elections, actually, um, not even dealing with
0: our side of the aisle, but whether those yes. have been verified or not. Uh, you mentioned the name of George Floyd. The case starts on Monday in Minneapolis. I guess what I want to ask you about specifically is, is uh, as far as I know, there's a bill coming down the pipeline in the House looking to defund the police. Is that true? And if so, when is this going to happen?
1: Yeah, it's the same bill that they passed last Congress. We actually passed it late on the floor last night. And uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, this is one of the places where I get a little frustrated because this is actually something that is, uh, I mean, criminal justice reform is something I care deeply about. Um, And I don't think it should be a partisan issue. And actually, there are people on both sides of the aisle that have worked on very good issues with this. But obviously, this gets rid of qualified immunity. It puts, I mean, law enforcement is essentially a local function, right? Well over 95% of all the law enforcement we deliver as a country is delivered at a state and local level. And when you start federalizing a lot of those things, uh, again, I mean, what they think works well in downtown Minneapolis needs to work well in North Dakota on a Rural Highway when you're measuring backup in hours and not minutes. And it is, uh, it's unfortunate that it had to turn into this uh, partisan process, both last Congress again and this Congress.
0: So, I mean, you look what's happening in Minneapolis, it's pretty clear that now they're trying to raise more money to get more police. And then I saw this report today where um, this is police, but it's also, I think, going through a little bit through Congress, but a request for a 60-day extension of the Guard. My question to you specifically is, There was a. you guys canceled your session today because you thought there was going to be another ride at the U.S. Capitol. As far as I know, that has not happened. And yet now they're making a request for another 60 days of the guard to be at the Capitol. What what do we as Americans not know that they're making these kind of requests and basically making D.C. like a military zone?
1: Yeah. And it needs to come down as soon as possible. And I want to be absolutely clear about that. When you see the Statue of Freedom through razor razor wire, that should make everybody just unbelievably sad. But I think there's two things. One, if you are asking law enforcement how to harden something um, and how to protect it, fences work, which is why we have interesting conversations about the border and securities and barricades and those types of things work. And so I don't necessarily begrudge the Capitol Police. I mean, we had obviously a once, hopefully once and forever event on January 6th, but it's our job as members of Congress to say, listen. If we need to increase security, if we need to do some things, we should do that. But any of those decisions will absolutely not involve permanent barriers and razor wire. And I just, I I deeply, deeply believe that. And then the other thing, and I actually questioned the acting chief of police of the Capitol on this, is they talk about when it's no longer needed, it'll come down. But... If we're talking about unspecified online chatter or unspecified online threats, well, those existed before January 6th and they're gonna exist every single day. So I get, when they, when they give us an answer that they're trying to assure us, I actually get more concerned, not less because they don't give us time certain, they don't give us those things and it's not. And it is absolutely unacceptable to keep this up any longer than absolutely, like specifically and definitively necessary.
0: Absolutely stunning. Um, I saw Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, say there's a bill also coming that could impact people's gun rights. What do you know about that? Yeah,
1: well, first of all, Sheila Jackson Lee introduced a bill earlier this Congress. Uh, As far as I'm aware, it has no other co-sponsors right now, which is good because it is unbelievably, well, it's unconstitutional and really draconian. But you're going to see, I I mean, you could see assault weapons bans, magazine, magazine capacity bans.
0: Thank you so much to Congressman Armstrong for his time today. There was a lot more to that conversation. We also touched on immigration. We touched on some of the Biden administration's energy policies and their impact, obviously, on the North Dakota and the Bakken. We're going to play more of that conversation with you tomorrow night and Friday show, so be sure and join us then. We'll have more from Senator Kevin Kramer as well in regards to the immigration situation and really the surge that's taking place right now at our southern border all right stay with us we're going to actually hear from senator kevin kramer and get his thoughts on election integrity as well that and much more coming up right after this and as always really share your point of view with us you can email us text us leave us a voicemail we'll be right back